Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The only place on earth where you will hear quotes from Plato, Confucius, Shakespeare, Gilligan, and the Skipper, too. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, back on uh, Tuesday night. Yep, back to our normal Tuesday night spot. Sorry to those of you that didn't catch that we uh, moved last week to Thursday, just so that Kevin could get back from his uh, vacation of uh, Kevin versus the volcano. Um, Anyway, on tonight's show, Ian Pipe Parts, going back to uh, two famous people. Two famous lifelong pipe smokers, as best as I can tell. Uh, My guest tonight is uh, newly anointed master of pipes, Dave Shane. And we got a lot to get through with Dave, so I'm looking forward to that. Music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Real quickly, let me remind you that you must be of legal smoking age to listen to this show wherever you're listening to it. So if the smoking age is not right, move somewhere and listen to it there. Um, also, it's been a while, and we would appreciate a uh, rating or a review on iTunes. Those do greatly help the show. It keeps uh, keeps our numbers up. It keeps it more visible for people. And uh, you know what? If you've got pipe-smoking friends, friends on Facebook, and you think that they may be listening to the show, well, it's possible that you aren't. So, hey... Send them a reminder. Remind your friends on Facebook or whatever uh, pipe groups you might be in. On uh, Remind all your friends on PipesMagazine.com about the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show. We would greatly appreciate that. And it is now uh, full-blown summertime. So I will uh, remind you all that, like I do this time of the year, it's time to pull out uh, a milder blend for breakfast. Yeah, it's a... Last night I uh, started looking around in my tobacco cellar, which really isn't a cellar. It's a couple of bottoms of cabinets and some cardboard boxes. But if you want to call that a cellar, okay. Um, and uh, started to grab some of my uh, my summertime blends. Uh, went Pulled out a couple of the straight Virginias and starting to get them to dry down a little bit. Getting ready for summertime because it is here. It's hot and humid in the south. And, you know, I look forward to those... Uh, breakfast mornings with my uh, 35-minute bowl of a Red Virginia or something like that to get the day started. Speaking of getting it started, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. What do our two famous pipe smokers have in common besides the fact that they're famous for, uh, well, they're famous and they were pipe smokers. They have one other thing in common. Uh, they both married uh, childhood sweethearts and stayed married to them, and they were married only to them for uh, their entire lives. Uh, our two pipe smoking famous celebrities who obviously fell in love at young ages are, uh, for this episode, Sparky Anderson and... Peter Cushing, so an American baseball manager and a British actor. There you go. Two people, completely different worlds, however, both smoked pipes and uh, both married young and married their uh, their only wives. 
Uh, so let's start off with Sparky Anderson, who was born uh, George Anderson on uh, February 22nd, 1934. He had uh, died in 2010. Uh, he was born in, uh, in South Dakota, but quickly at age eight moved to Los Angeles. Uh, he bounced around, uh, uh, bounced around, uh, the minor leagues for several years and, uh, it just made it up into, uh, made it up into the big leagues for one year. But in, uh, in 1955, uh, Anderson was moved another step up the minor league ladder playing for the double a Fort Worth cats of the Texas league. A radio announcer gave him the nickname Sparky for his feisty play and uh, Sparky stuck forever. Uh, he was traded in uh, 1958 to the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Phillies gave Anderson their starting second base job, and he spent what would be his one full season in the major leagues in 1959. Uh, however, in 152 games, he only batted 218 and didn't do well. Uh, however, his 527 at-bats is still the record for the most by a player who only played in one major league season. So he only played in one major league season, period, and still managed 527 at-bats. Uh, after that, he went back down to the minor leagues, and this is kind of important because he went back to the AAA Toronto Maple Leafs in the International League, and after watching several practices, the Maple Leafs owner, Jack Kent Cook, observed Anderson's leadership qualities and ability to teach younger players from all backgrounds. Cook immediately encouraged him, encouraged Sparky to pursue a career in managing, offering Anderson the post for the AAA Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Jack Kent Cook, you'll remember, went on to uh, also own the Los Angeles Lakers and the LA Kings and uh, owned the Washington Redskins and is pretty much responsible for plucking... Uh, Joe Gibbs out of obscurity and giving him a coaching job of the Washington Redskins and giving Jerry West control of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, both teams went, you know, all, those teams all went on to dynasties and uh, Jack Kent Cook discovered a Sparky Anderson. Uh, Sparky went uh, after four or five years of managing in the minor leagues, got offered a, uh, got offered a job at the, at the San Diego Padres as a uh, third base coach. And then uh, two years later ended up at the Cincinnati Reds where he won two world series there. Sparky Anderson was also the first baseball coach to go on to win a world series in both the national leagues and the American leagues. And back then I was a big fan of baseball and the American league has the designated hitter and it's a completely different style of baseball. So for him to be the first one to do that is, uh, uh, you know, he, he was the first one. There's only two others that have done it since, I believe. Um, anyway, he took over a Detroit Tigers team, and then in uh, in 19, and then he retired from there after kind of being chased out for uh, not wanting to budge to a new style. Um, Anderson is uh, he's also the. Funny story, the last American League manager to date to win a game by forfeit. And this came uh, his first month of working for the Detroit Tigers when as a result of Disco Demolition Night in Chicago, the second half of a doubleheader with the White Sox had to be called off 
after an anti-disco demonstration went awry and severely damaged the playing surface at Comiskey Park. Even the White Sox groundkeepers, uh, even after they removed debris from the field, Anderson refused to let the Tigers take the field. He was not only concerned for safety of his players, but believed the field was unplayable. So he uh, wanted a game by forfeit. Uh, final little quote after uh, Anderson retired, he went on and did some play by play and stuff like that. Uh, while in Detroit, uh, he founded a charitable organization called Catch, caring athletes teamed for children's and the Henry Ford hospitals. Uh, and when interviewed in 2008, Anderson said that Catch was the single best thing he ever did in Detroit. Um, amongst his many honors, uh, he won a, you know, several World Series. Um, he said he's very proud of his Baseball Hall of Fame induction. I never wore a World Series ring. I will wear this ring until I die. And if you search around on the internet, you'll find uh, a whole bunch of pictures of Sparky sitting with his pipe in the dugout. Uh, the next pipe smoker and uh, lover of one woman is uh, Peter Cushing, who was born in uh, May 1913 in uh, Kenley in the United Kingdom and died in 1994. Uh, of course, he uh, originally started out his career going to college and was going to become a surveyor and uh, left that to uh, to take up a uh, scholarship at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Let me just say that Peter Cushing has been in more than 250 noted productions, stage, screen, television, uh all, I mean, just a, a, a career that lists numerous things. Uh, he really got his uh, start, though, in horror films, uh, playing Baron Victor Frankenstein, or Frankenstein, depending on how you pronounce it, and uh, Professor Van Helsing in a long series of horror films produced by the Hammer Film Productions in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. That's also where he took a shot at playing Doctor Who, and uh, Cushing also played a pipe smoker. Yeah, a guy named Sherlock Holmes many times. And uh, originally, the Hound, the Hound of Baskerville, uh, the first Holmes adaptation to be filmed in color. This was followed by a performance of 16 episodes of the BBC series Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes in 1968. Uh, so Cushing got to uh, do that and then played Doctor Who in two films. I mean, just a numerous, numerous list. Uh, he was also given the Order of the British Empire. And for you young folks, uh, might recognize uh, his name from Star Wars. He was uh, Grand Moff Tarkin in uh, Episode Four, the first film to come out, and then recently digitally remastered or CGI'd into uh, Rogue One. Uh, and he was a, a lifelong friend of another actor who's been around a long time, a guy named Christopher Lee, who's played a pipe smoker or two here and there. All right, there you go. Two famous uh, pipe smokers of the past, Peter Cushing and uh, Sparky Anderson. And in just a minute, Dave Shane will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. 
When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us, uh, Dave, you got a, you got a lot of stuff to talk about, so I'm excited to have you on, but uh, you also don't have anything really to uh, sell us, so I'm even more excited about that. But uh, pipe smoker, pastor, uh, newly minted master of pipes, and we'll get into what got you into that, but Dave Shane, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's, I'm excited to be on, and just, it's an honor. Well, don't get too excited. Um, <laughs> all right, so where did where did you grow up, and when did you get involved in smoking a pipe? I grew up in southern Illinois, and uh, rural farming kind of communities, And uh, but I didn't get into pipe smoking until I went on the mission field, actually. Um I was living in Ukraine, and my team leader there smoked a pipe and offered me an opportunity and fired up my first ball with him, uh, sitting on a balcony in Kiev, Ukraine, looking over the city, and uh, and I loved it. I went out the next day and bought two pipes, um, but I ended up moving and didn't have a mentor to kind of help me learn the ropes, didn't have anywhere to get pipe tobacco, so it was just kind of sporadically fumbling through it for a number of years. And then uh, I moved, ended up moving to Georgia, and one of the other pastors in my church smoked a pipe, and he kind of took me under his wing, and and the rest is history. So you went from starting to smoke a pipe in the Ukraine to moving to the American Georgia and not the uh, yeah. Eastern... Okay. Right, right. Atlanta area of Georgia, U.S., and, uh, you know, he, he taught me all those fundamentals, like how to slow sip a pipe and how to tamp and draw at the same time. And just a lot of things that, that are simple in the hobby, but a lot of guys have no clue how to do and they end up burning their mouths and, you know, having a rough go of it. So, uh, so how long ago was this that you were in the, in the Ukraine smoking on a balcony? That was in 2001. And what kind of pipes and tobaccos did they have available there? You know, I was smoking aromatics that I got really from my buddy. I don't know. I don't remember ever buying any myself there, tobacco-wise. Pipes, they were mostly uh, fruit tree-type woods, so pear or cherry. I think both the pipes that I bought are pear wood. And, uh, but they're really, uh, interestingly carved. Like one has owls carved into the outside of the bowl and they're really beautiful. Uh, I didn't know anything about, you know, how they're made or, uh, engineering or any of those things. I just liked the way they looked and went from there. And at that point they were the best smoking pipes you've ever had. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so you get back to Georgia 
uh, your back stateside, and then you start down the path of uh, of the long and winding road to uh, discovering tobaccos. Yeah, and that uh, that really happened as I got on Pipes Magazine. To be honest, that's where I learned about flakes, and uh, I had been buying like rum and maple and that kind of stuff at the local B and M, and and uh, ended up doing a trade with someone on the forum for for some flakes, and that changed my whole world. Once I started smoking a Scudo and like Cut Virginia Plug and some of these really nice flakes, just the flavor profiles were just so rich, and uh, that, that's really when I began to truly fall in love with the pipe. And did you try all the different packing techniques and different tamping and lighting styles? Yeah, I did. Uh, I really didn't understand the whole uh, rolling, like rolling it up, or what they call folding, uh, until I watched a YouTube video on it, and then that made sense. But most of the time, I just rub out my flakes and, and load them up and go. And, and at that point, are you a uh, full-blown pastor working with a congregation? Yeah, I work, uh, I'm, I'm what they call a next generations pastor, so I work with uh, the up-and-coming generation of kids, uh, middle school, high school, college-age kids, and also men's ministry and and uh, which is is a lot is very rewarding. And what's cool about our church is we got a lot of pipe smokers, and so we have men's events and we hang out, and we smoke pipes, and talk about uh, how good God is to us. Wow! And, and of course, you don't get the kids smoking the pipes until they turn eighteen. Right, of course, <laughs> That's definitely not happening. Uh, do you know, is there, and I'll, I'll be naive and honest about it, is there any mention of tobacco at all in the in the Bible? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think there's any mention of tobacco. Um, there's lots of smoke, but it's not tobacco smoke. So therefore, it can't be a sin to smoke a pipe because it wasn't mentioned. <laughs> well, you know, what I would say is if you're not addicted to it, Probably not a sin. Uh, and uh, I'm addicted to pipes, but not tobacco. <laughs> so so you, you, you feel the urge to pick up a piece of wood and hold it, but you're fine without lighting it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, how often do you get to smoke your pipe? I probably smoke five or six times a week. So almost every day. It's, but a... it's normally just like a bowl in the evening, not all day every day. So it's an end of the day, I want to relax and uh, grab my pipe and away I go. Right. And since you can go a day without doing it, it's not a uh, it's not an addiction. Right, yeah, I don't have to have it, but I, it's so enjoyable and relaxing. And, you know, I love coming home and just reading a book and enjoying the pipe and sitting outside and enjoying the, the weather, so... So let's get into the. Uh, I, I think one of the one of the projects that uh, won you the Master of Pipes is a uh, pipe and tobacco donation project, and I'll let you I'll let you talk us through it. Okay, sure. So uh, some years ago, the way this got started, I had some pipes stolen. Uh, I had a backpack in the car with a pipe bag in it, and somebody busted out the window and stole my pipes and. Uh, and I, and I, post, I posted about it on Pipes Magazine, 
And I just got this overwhelming response of guys coming out of the woodwork wanting to send me free pipes. And I got all kinds of beautiful, really nice pipes. And I was just blown away um, by their generosity. And that just got me to thinking about this this community that, it, that are pipe smokers and how a lot of us have pipes that we bought in the beginning that are just kind of collecting dust on the shelf that don't get smoked and had the idea of guys could send me those pipes, I would restore them and then give them away to new pipe smokers. And that's basically how the, the free pipe projects got started. And since, since we started, I've probably sent out care packages to over 200 uh, new pipe smokers. And these are these new pipe smokers are just anybody that happens to that you get a hold of that's looking for a way to start. It's not somebody who's uh, got any special uh, any needs or any uh, impoverished or you know, it's just somebody that you want to get started on the right kind of pipe. Yeah. So most of what I've done has been through Pipes Magazine, um, but some other venues people get a hold of me. And what I ask, I can ask the same question as everybody, you know, what have you smoked already? What do you have as far as pipes? And I'm looking for people that have one or two pipes, maybe a cob, not, not really briars so much. And what we try to do is we send out two pipes and then make four to five, sometimes eight different samples of tobacco, a pipe tool, uh, and whatever else. I get all kinds of stuff donated to the project, pipe bags, pipe racks, uh, pipe magazines. Uh, whatever comes in goes back out. But I try to minimum send out two pipes and a selection of tobaccos to each new guy. And uh, we also do a lot with veterans, active military, guys that are overseas serving our country. We, you know, those guys kind of get priority with me. And uh, we've been able to send out all kinds of cool stuff to to these guys that are serving in Afghanistan and other parts of the world too. Wow! So you're you're not only doing it in the states. I mean, this stuff's going out globally. Yeah, I've sent stuff to South America, Europe, Eastern Europe, Australia. Uh, you know, and what I tend to try to do because I'm not made of money is I I ask guys to pay the shipping, and then they get you know way more value in what's coming out than what they're giving me to, to ship it and uh, not making a profit and I don't like not keeping any money it's, everything gets spent on shipping and I and yeah they get two pipes and these are fully restored ready to smoke pipes so if somebody sends me a pipe that's, that's oxidized for example I deoxidize it I ream it I rewax it I clean it and then that goes back out and I, and I would assume that by the fact that you ask them to pay for the shipping, then it kind of uh, shakes out some of the people that maybe just be looking for a handout. It does. And, and the other thing I ask of guys is to post pictures, uh, if they can, either on Instagram or Pipes Magazine, so that those people that donated can see their pipes actually went out to somebody and they get the enjoyment of it. You know, it's, it's a part of the whole community building idea is, you're getting to see these pipes that you've cherished and loved being loved by somebody else. All right. How do we get a hold of you if we've got stuff that we want to donate to you? Yeah, you can email me at freepipeproject, uh, yeah, freepipeproject at gmail.com. 
F-R-E-E-P-I-P-E-P-R-O-J-E-C-T at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. So, or you can go on pipesmagazine.com and look for the free pipe project thread, and you can message on there. Uh, is there anything that you can't send out? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you know, there are some states in the U.S. that technically illegal to send things to, so I try to avoid those if I can. But but I can pretty much mail anything out. Um, you know, when you're mailing things overseas, it gets a lot trickier with the customs forms, and a lot of times uh, people at the post office don't know what the laws are, um, and they may reject a box. But, uh, you know, I've sent stuff all over the place. Well, and I'll tell you the good news in the United States is that since you're a private individual not selling anything, you're just sending something to somebody that you know, it's not illegal for you to ship tobacco across state lines. Right, right. So, And we do a lot of that. So, I mean, I send... I, we estimated uh, a while back, I mean, we've probably sent out 100 pounds of tobacco. Wow. So you need more of that, too. Uh, I need more of that, too. Yeah. That's a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the uh, Master of Pipes. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, actually, this, this now you're uh, your master pastor, Dave Shane. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and, and I'm hoping I'm not the first one that's ever said that to you. Um, <laughs> Dave Shane of the Free Pipe Project and now Master of Pipes. Uh, do you know how you got nominated and how the Master of Pipes program worked? <laughs> Yeah, so a buddy of mine, actually the guy that taught me how to smoke a pipe, his name is Jeff Breaker, he uh, nominated me. And uh, he was my pipe mentor in Georgia and taught me everything I know about how to do it right. And he nominated me uh, because he's known all about my project. And um, essentially the way the master of pipes works is they wanted to honor guys that are, that are real active in the hobby and promoting the hobby uh, but are under 40 years old and haven't been in the hobby quite as long as the doctor of pipes. And so he nominated me for my free pipe project uh, work, and and amazingly, uh, I won. How did you find out you won? Chuck Stanion called me, 
actually to tell me that I had won, which was pretty awesome to get a call from him and talk to him. And, and you know, for me, uh, on the hobby side of this, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of relationships with all these guys that are already doctors. Uh, so getting to meet them, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of like being starstruck almost to get to spend time and hang out with all you guys and, and learn about uh, just all the amazing things that you you have all done for the hobby and and just sit down and bowl is just a treat yeah so you so you came to the chicago pipe show is that your first time at the chicago pipe show that was my second time there okay so you weren't you you didn't get that awestruck you knew what you were getting yourself into yes Uh, uh, and then there was the Saturday night dinner where you got officially announced to everybody because nobody except for us doctors knew at that point. Um, right. So you had to you had to sit through that dinner, and then you also got to go to a uh, wonderful meeting that we're not allowed to talk about afterwards because that's all top secret stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, I was got included, in, and it's kind of like a fraternity uh, almost. Though there's women in the doctor pipes too, so. But you know that's kind of how it felt. Just this, uh, just this neat group of people that you get to sit down and talk about our passion about you know about pipes and tobacco and and how to promote our hobby even more. So uh, I, I'm again just honored to be included in that group and and look forward to doing what I can to continue to promote the hobby. Well, I can say that you are highly deserving of it, and if uh, I believe nominations are going to start again in September. So, again, the requirement is that the master of pipes can be nominated by anybody. Uh, doesn't the, the way the whole program works is the doctors of pipes nominate the next doctors, but for the master of pipes, it's open to anybody. Nominations go through Chuck Stanion at Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. I believe, it's, uh, I believe he's got a questionnaire and a biography that he wants you to fill out, and it can be anybody yeah. under the age of 40, so... Uh, the next batch, you, know, you you and Sykes won't be alone for uh, for too long as the only living masters of pipes. Yeah, and, and if you want to nominate somebody, make sure that you give a lot of detail about them and about what they're doing. So I think you got a bunch of uh, real vague nominations last time, and so make sure that you give as much information about the person that you're nominating as you can. Yeah, for, for example, and I'll... Uh, most of the most of the doctors and the masters, the nominations that get looked at are it's about a page, page and a half of biography and information on the people, so that those of us that may not know you but are voting, we can uh, really get to know the person. So, uh, yeah. great summertime project. Um, now let, let's go back to your pipes for a minute. Uh, when you got into pipes, was Was there a shape that you really liked at the start that isn't quite your favorite shape anymore? Uh, I've always been partial to Bulldogs. And uh, early early on, it was Petersons. I loved Petersons. I loved their 999 Bulldog Rhodesian-type shapes. And I really haven't changed a whole lot. Uh, I like Bents. I tend to clench a lot, and I, I smoke mostly Bent pipes. And have never been real a big fan of like billiards and straight pipes and stuff like that. So I, I haven't really changed a whole lot. But I guess where I've changed the most is just in the quality 
Uh, I, I smoke more handmade now than I do, you know, factory type pipes. And there, there's been, you know, this, this has been a constant thread going around uh, in the in the history of pipes. If, for example, a Peterson is a hundred and fifty dollars, and you buy a two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollar handmade pipe, do you think you get double the pleasure out of it? You know, I think that it's all in the eye of the beholder. But for me, the process of talking to a carver and just bouncing ideas and the shape and the color and the stem material and knowing that you've had a kind of a hand almost in the process of creating your own pipe, even though you're not making it yourself, is kind of special. And each one of those pipes that I've been able to do that with, uh, yeah, you feel like, you, you had a part of that, and um, the pipes that I have that I've done that with are are also really good smokers. Have you worked on a commission with a pipe maker, and the pipes come out completely different than what you thought it would? I have uh, not really, actually. I mean, the only the only pipe maker that I've worked with so far is Ryan Alden. I've had him make me two, and they're pretty close to what I wanted. I mean, the, the first one I had him do, I, I showed him a pipe that I have that I love, and I asked him to do his take on it, and so the shape is not exactly what I showed him, uh, but I was so pleased with it that uh, it didn't matter. You know, it, was, it is, it, I wanted his take, that, and that's the thing about having, a, having somebody do a pipe. I know a lot of these guys don't want to make exactly, you know, what you're showing them. They want to do their artistic take on it. And that's that's what I wanted to see happen, too, and that's what I got. So, you know, these guys need the freedom to be creative. Otherwise, it's no fun. Yeah, don't go into an Italian restaurant and ask them to do a, a New York steak just like a New York steakhouse. Right, exactly. Uh, when you, the the pipes that you bought early on, do you still have them all? Not all. I, I still have a bunch. Um, I, probably, I probably have 80 pipes. I used to have like 140 pipes probably. I thinned out a lot. Uh, just the, the more I smoke and the more I realize what I like, I've kind of thinned the herd out. Um, but there are quite a few that I still have. And then, and then pipes people that have gifted me, uh, I always keep those. So, uh, yeah, you know, just... Keep smoking what you like. So eighty pipes, one a day. You're uh, with a with an occasional off day in there. You're looking at a three month rotation. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But but I'm sure there's times during the day where you get a little twitchy and you need to hold a pipe. So that kind of counts. Right, right. Well, I'm looking at them, just sitting and staring at them. Right. So yeah, you know, and I have pipes that I smoke more than others. There's some that are just kind of sentimental that I keep and smoke yeah. once a year. And then there's some that get smoked a lot. And, and then there are some that, uh, uh, what, what's the next one that you're really looking for? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I really would like uh Pharaoh. Uh, shape. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, like the Egyptian kind of cavalier style. With the with kind of like the reverse bend in it? You know, yeah. Um, I know he's not making pipes now. Um, the FDA stuff, the growly pipes, he makes just gorgeous pharaohs. And I, 
I love his design. I'd love to have one of those. Is, is there a shape that's too outrageous for you or just doesn't appeal to you? You know, uh, not really. Uh, I mean, I'm open to anything. And I like to see, that's one of the reasons I like going to Chicago is just seeing all the creativity of these, all these different carvers from all over the world and just ideas that they've had. And, uh, I walk around and I tend to take pictures of things that are just kind of out there. They're different. They're like cutting edge creative that, that even hasn't I've never seen before. Wow. Yeah, and uh, let's go back to the free pipe project again. If you if somebody if people didn't have uh, pipes or tobaccos that they wanted to send you, could they send you some money and then you turn around and buy some pipes with it? Yeah, that would be very welcome too. And also supplies. I've, I've had guys send me stuff in the past so that I can buy cleaning supplies because I do so much restoration. Uh, on pipes that come in it helps me with just pipe cleaners for example I mean I use thousands of pipe cleaners every year so just helping me purchase that kind of stuff too is a big big help yeah and don't forget pipe cleaners are never going to get cheaper than they are now right I'm in the the process myself of stockpiling on uh, pipe cleaners and (laughs) and other stuff um all right, so when you're not working and when you're not smoking a pipe, what else keeps you occupied? I like to hunt. Uh, I like camping and hiking. And, uh, I mean, I try to uh, mix the pipe with lots of manly activities. So, you know, getting out on the trail with a backpack and a hammock and take my pipe and sit in the woods and just enjoy God's creation, that's, that's, that's a highlight. So going to Chicago and staying in a hotel room is kind of a, a that's a rare thing for you. It, it you know it kind of is, um, but this year was really cool because because I was getting the award, um, I took my dad with me, and uh, he doesn't smoke a pipe anymore. He used to when I was a kid, but uh, he just had a blast, um, and we just really enjoyed the time. He learned a lot, and uh, just walking around looking at all the different pipes, hanging out with all the cool people, and. And, you know, again, the pipe, the pipe community is just, it's a big family and it's, you can sit down and you can talk to anybody, everybody's approachable, uh, and you just get to know each, each other and our lives and what we love and smoke a pipe together. It's, it's a bonding thing. I, I kind of make a point out of every Chicago pipe show to try to sit down at a table full of people that I have really not too much of an idea who they are and just sit down, say hi and start listening and talking. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's a little weird, but that's just because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, it can be, uh, can be both sometimes, but I've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people through the process, for sure. Sometimes you might see a guy wearing a uh, plastic Roman uh, helmet and uh, carrying a plastic sword, like on your Facebook page. That's true. <laughs> I, I have a feeling if I were to if I were to go to a church, you're the kind of pastor that I'd like because I don't think you. I, I think you've got a not so serious side of you that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, working with kids, you have to be fun, you know. And uh, that's that that picture on my Facebook is, is an example of that for sure. Yeah, and uh, dealing with kids, you have to have a real thick skin too. Yeah. 
Dave, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe is uh, one of my Ryan Alpin pipes. Uh, it's uh, his take on a 7LA320, and uh, it's sandblasted, and it has green. Actually, he made me two stems for it. It's got a short stem and a church warden stem made out of green Cumberland. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite tobacco? Favorite tobacco is Wessex Brown Virginia Flake. And is that getting hard to get for some reason? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it goes out of stock quick. But thankfully, because of uh, Pipes Magazine and learning about cellaring early on, I'm pretty well stocked. Tobacco's never going to become cheaper nor more available than it is now. Oh, yes, been, yeah. Sounds like I said that about pipe cleaners, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? Scotch. All right. For those that like scotch, do you have a particularly favorite one? Um, I like Balvenie. And I know they've got about 12 different variations. Which one? Probably the Doublewood. It's the 12-year the age. It's a whiskey and sherry, a whiskey oak and sherry oak cask, double cask uh, scotch. And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A yeah, book. Definitely a book. And the final question, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Uh, yeah. Um, back, so back when I had the fiasco of having pipes stolen, uh, one, of the, one of the pipes that got sent to me, actually Jesse Silver sent me a Nording and I've always been a fan of Norting since the very beginning of smoking a pipe. And this this Norting was real different. It was a it's a kind of a Danish freehand style, but it's a panel. The bowl is paneled and the shank is paneled and it's bent. And uh, in the in the handmade Norting circle is a one. And so I tried to do some research on it. I couldn't find a lot of research. It seems like Norting has changed its grading or whatever over the years. and um, But it just so happened that Eric Norting was coming to the Briery in Birmingham for their annual event. And so I went over and got to meet him, and I showed him the pipe. And uh, so I went up and I pulled the pipe out of the bag, and I didn't even have it totally out of the bag, and he kind of reached over and grabbed it and was like, uh, I made this pipe. <laughs> I, re I remember this pipe because it was unique because it was a unique shape it was not very kind of standard for him I've never seen another one like it the grain was amazing straight grain all the way around he says I remember making this pipe myself so that was really cool to uh, to get this show in the pipe meet him verify that he'd made it himself and then I had him sign the uh, sock <laughs> so that was cool Eric is a lot of fun yeah oh yeah it was super fun and I loaded it up and smoked with him and you know yeah it was just awesome so to reach out to Dave I guess we can go through Facebook or uh, your username on Pipes Magazine is Shane Teeks yes Shane Teeks 
So S H A I N T I Q U E S or yes. free pipe project at gmail.com. Uh, let's get them a whole bunch of pipes and stuff or uh, send them 20 bucks. He'll buy two pipes on eBay and clean them up. Yeah, you bet. Dave, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Master Shane, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. All right, do make sure and you know, look around this summer as you're, uh, as you're cleaning out stuff or maybe going through some of your books and whatever. If you find something pipe-wise that's just not getting any use, let's uh, let's let's flood Dave with uh, with a bunch of stuff. Let's do that. All right, for music, I, so I was uh, skimming around through Scott Joplin stuff and listening to it and thinking, you know, Scott Joplin's a great summertime listening music. And then I found this classical album done by Giovanni de Chiaro. And it's all classical guitar versions of uh, of Scott Joplin. And this one is called the Palm Leaf Rag.
isn't that great music just for you know sitting out on the front porch on a warm evening maybe an iced tea in your pipe and listening to that again it's a guy named giovanni chiaro c-h-i-a-r-o and uh, you can find it on spotify that's where i was listening to it three little words You've got mail. In the mailbag, one response to last week's show with Russ Cook, and it's from Aussie Flyer, uh, which I'm assuming is Australia. Uh, he says, great show, Brian. Was getting concerned when you hadn't posted it at the usual time. Felt like a worrying father waiting up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Tried to give you guys enough warning. Um well, and if you're on if you're in Australia, you're a worrying father waking up and waiting up in the morning. Uh, anyway, he says uh, Russ Cook sounds so laid back he makes you want to fire up a bowl just listening to him. Then you played Lester Young and sealed the deal. Brilliant. By the way, I'm all caught up on the shows now. Only thing left to do is go back and listen through them again. Keep them coming, mate. Cheers, Mike. Mike will keep them coming as long as you uh, keep them listening and. Uh, when you're going back through the old ones, don't listen to too many at once. That can be damaging to your health. I'm pretty sure of that. And then in an email from Jeff, Jeff says, I have a very small collection of pipes and just purchased my first vulcanite stem, and it was oxidized. I cleaned it up, but can you tell me how to clean one properly and, most importantly, how to prevent it from oxidizing in the future? Love your show. Thanks, Jeff from New Jersey. Uh, Jeff from New Jersey, you're welcome. And I'll tell you, uh, the only way to really get all the oxidation deep out of a, out of a uh, vulcanite stem is uh, man, a buffing wheel, the white compound, and just keep going at it. It's literally the only way that I've heard of and seen that, I mean, you have to get deep into those layers because if the oxidation is not just on the surface, but down deep below, you got to keep working it and working it and working it. In those situations where I've got a pipe like that, you know, for 10, 15, 20 bucks, we've had a couple of uh, restoration and repair people on the show, I'd send it off to them and let the experts handle it. And again, if you're going to teach yourself how to do this with a buffing wheel in the compound, you got to practice on some pipes first that you don't really care about. And don't stand directly in front of the buffing wheel, because if that pipe gets a hold, or if the wheel gets a hold of that pipe, you may get a whole nother meaning of ouch right in front of that wheel wherever you might be standing. And it may not be an area that you want hit <laughs> by anything. Uh, and then once you've got it buffed and it's completely out and it may take you know hours on the buffing wheel, then you have to get a good layer of uh, carnauba wax on it. And the carnauba wax, again, that was the problem that I was having with my pipes, even on the ebonite stems, was I was using the Everclear to kind of sanitize it and I was taking away the wax and it was causing them to oxidize faster. So now all my pipes have been uh, cleaned and a good coat of wax on it and they're staying much cleaner the only thing i'm using on the outside of the stems after i'm done smoking is a perfectly dry pipe cleaner or if i'm wearing a t-shirt i wipe off the uh, wipe off the stem with my cotton t-shirt but again part of pipe smoking is uh keeping your pipes clean and keeping them maintained right and if you don't know how to do it right yourself that's a perfect time for a professional to come in and do it and pay them for what they do well. 
uh, good restoration or good cleaning on a pipe will uh, rejuvenate it completely. And if it's done by a guy that knows what, or a girl that knows what they're doing, it's absolutely perfect. Again, uh, email me comments or questions, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Send them to me on Facebook through either the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Facebook, which if you're not there, you can like that. Or you can post them right on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine. I love getting them. Uh, speaking of the, uh, the summer series and getting emails, I got two folks that are set up to come on the show looking for one more and then that'll wrap up the summer season so again you want to have a uh, have a topic for pipe parts because you'll do pipe parts along with me and then uh, you'll be the guest email me brian at pipesmagazine.com if you send me an email and you don't hear from me right away uh send it again just in case it gets caught in my uh, in the new super duper spam filter which has cut down dramatically on the amount of Russian women that are looking to date me for some reason. I'm really sad about that, too. I thought, uh, you know, one of the ways to get all the, you know, get everybody out of Russia was if we married them all. But they've stopped. All right. In just a moment, rant time. Cowboy. Cowboy. More new house-related rant issues, so sorry right now if you're getting bored with this, but uh, furniture stores. You know what? Furniture stores, you have all these lovely showrooms with uh, couches and stuff in it. And and keep in mind, this is the first time ever in my life where we're actually looking at furniture that's not, like, you know, mass-produced or, uh, or ready-off-the-shelf kind of stuff. You know, walk into a furniture showroom on the... Yeah, so we're, we're buying a couple of nicer pieces of furniture for this house. This is our forever house. It's the last house ever before the funny farm. So, I, you know, we just want to make sure and buy some nicer pieces of furniture. Well, you go in, you look at all these lovely pieces of furniture sitting in this showroom. All They show you all the different fabrics that you can have it covered in. They talk about the different levels of cushioning that you can order it in. They talk about how you can modify the feet of it. All these little details and everything. And then they tell you, okay, now you got to pay for it. And uh, by the way, it'll take 10 to 12 weeks to get it. 10 to 12 weeks to get it. And then, on top of that, they have to schedule delivery, which could take another three to five days or something along that line. Uh, you know, but it seems silly in a modern day of computers and manufacturing and stuff like that, where this is stuff that's made here in the U.S., where you could get it a little bit faster than that. Maybe, uh, you know, Three to four weeks would be reasonable for a factory to receive an order, cover a couch in what you want it, and then, you know, there's trucks and trains moving all across the country every day. Uh, you know, maybe you get it to the stores, and maybe you'd get more customers if you were able to, uh, I don't know, uh, take care of them faster. Anyway, there you go. There's my thoughts. You know, modern day we like to order on the internet and get our stuff in three days. And now, you know, you got furniture companies that are still in the old days of horse and buggy being delivered by hand. And 
I'm done with that. Okay, I'm moving on. All right, I want to thank you all for tuning in again. Uh, let's uh, let's help out Dave with uh, with his project and flood him full of pipes and uh, all kinds of doodads. So thanks to Dave for what he's doing and for joining us. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Looks like you're stuck. Can I give you a hand? No, Gilligan, you can't give me a hand. But I would appreciate it if you'd put your neck right in there.